The Bible teaches us that as Christians, it is vitally important that we grow spiritually throughout our lives. We are pleased to start a series of studies today to help you do just that. For the next several episodes, we will study the subject, Adding to Your Faith, which Peter covers in detail in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-11. through 11. So, grab your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and join us for this spiritual feast. Welcome to today's Bible Questions podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, today we're going to marks the beginning of kind of a special series uh, here on Bible Questions. And to kind of set the stage for us, uh, we'll have Brian do that. Brian, welcome. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, we're really, really excited about this. You know, sometimes it's good to have a study or a multi-part study that covers material much more in depth. And so the purpose of this series of podcasts is to talk about a theme that's very, very critical to us as Christians, and that's adding to our faith. And so we have with us a very special guest, Alan Hitchin, been an evangelist for over 40 years. And Alan has actually put together some really good material about adding to your faith. So Alan, we'd like to welcome you. And we're really excited about this series of studies that we're going to engage in. Well, I'm very, very happy to share it with you. Over the years, I have found that uh, there's just been lots of different scriptures that have I've felt that are important. But one time I was asked a question, what do you think is the single most important lesson that you could ever preach to a Christian? And of course, uh, if it was to a non-Christian, then it would be a very different uh, scenario. We'd want to preach on what, what, what must one do to be saved. But once a person is a Christian, then there are so many scriptures in the Bible that are valuable to them. The Sermon on the Mount and, and uh, Paul's words about the mind of Christ in Philippians chapter 2. But the one that always rises to the highest level with my thinking centers on this passage in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Yeah, so to that point, Alan, when you think about all of the different scriptures in the Bible that we can study to become stronger and more knowledgeable and so forth. Uh, is there any single scripture that stands out to you as among the most helpful for Christians to know? Yeah, I think that there is. I think that this passage in Peter, this is Peter's last book, and he is uh, pretty clear that he's soon going to be dying, and he is trying to put together this last book in such a way that it will be very helpful to him. One of, one of the statements that Paul made in Philippians has always really resonated with me as he, he talks about he's in prison and he's not exactly sure what's going to be the result, whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. And he essentially tells the Philippians in chapter 1, verses 23 through uh, 25, that this is such a hard decision for me. Personally, I would like to to uh, to depart, uh, to die. He says to die is very far better, but to remain is more needful for you. So, and this is something I think that all Christians deal with, or all Christians think about, and that is, uh, if 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 I were going to die, uh, you know, what would I like to leave so that my family and my friends have the best opportunity to continue being faithful. So if you can imagine calling people in 
and uh, you know you're going to die and so you call your your friends your family and and you think about what would i like to leave them with what's the one thing that i never want them to forget and that's kind of what peter says he's doing as a matter of fact uh, uh if one of you would like to read second peter 1 verses 12 through 15 uh peter is he specifically states i know i'm going to die and these are the things that I want you to remember. So it, there, there's just a real interesting situation here. So somebody would like to read that. Sure. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. And, and that's exactly the point. Peter says, I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Of course, the tent here is referring to his physical body. Uh, he knows that he has an eternal spirit and that his eternal spirit is within his flesh. But when that flesh ceases to house the spirit, which, of course, that's what death is. Death is a separation from the spirit and, and the body. And so Peter knows that's coming. And the Holy Spirit allows him to write this. We, we need to realize that the Holy Spirit is always the author of the scriptures. Uh, Paul made that clear in uh, many passages. In, in first, first Corinthians chapter 2, he says, that the things that we are writing, we're not writing with words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And of course, he says in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed. And so there is no uh, nothing in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit has not agreed with and approved of. So these emotions that Peter is expressing here are being validated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is putting this into the scriptures. And so... Peter says, these, these first few words, now remember, were verses 12 through 15, so he's talking about chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The things in chapter 1, 1 through 11, he says, I'm going to remind you always of these things. And then he says it again in verse 13, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to remind you of these things. And then in verse 15, he says it again, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So Peter is thinking about his death. He's thinking about, like Paul, these people are going to be left behind and I want to give them something. I want to give them the best thing that I can give them to think about after I'm gone. And he says these first 11 verses, these first 11 verses of 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to remind you always of them. I'm going to stir you up by reminding you. And I'm going to be careful to make certain that you always remember these things after I'm dead. And I've thought about that a lot. And, and Peter is dead. And do we as his people, as excuse me, as God's people, do we remember these things? And, and, and this is, I think it's, it's of the highest importance that that we remember these things you know alan with him stating that he wanted to remind them and he wanted to be careful and sure that to ensure that they would have a reminder 
you know, I, I think sometimes people have the idea that as Christians, once we learn a principle in God's word, well, we know it, we understand it. Uh, we're good, right? However, would you agree as an evangelist that this this idea of reminding brethren, and, and it's certainly reminding ourselves, is critical to reinforcing God's principles and also kind of bringing it to the surface in our lives when when we need that truth at specific times? Yeah, and, and that that's a good point because uh, Peter's not the only one who did this. Uh, Moses is about to die when he writes, or excuse me, he preaches and then writes the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy consists of two sermons. So Moses reviews with the people everything that happened during those 40-year period. He reminds them of them. And Joshua does the same thing just before he dies. He, in the in the last chapter, he, he reminds them of the fact that their fathers and, and others had served other gods beyond the river, and others had served gods in, in Egypt. But, you know, and his stirring thing is, choose you this day whom you will serve. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so throughout the scriptures, and of course, Jesus, knowing that he's going to die, the, the John chapter 13 through chapter 17 is, is dealing with that. And he's, he's reminding them of things that he wants them to remember. And, uh, of course, the Lord's Supper is something we do every first day of the week as a reminder, as a memory, because there are certain things that we need to be using and we need to be reminded of them. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, kind of you know, reminds me, if you will, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan and they were told to set up those stones so that when they were asked from their children what they meant, they, they could tell them and bring back that remembrance of what God had done for them. And so... Yeah. We see that throughout the scriptures, as you pointed out, they had to read the law once a year. And then there were men that would go around and help to answer questions. That also, I guess, would have been for reminders and so forth. Right. Well, in the passage you had me read, I noticed there was something that, you know, like Peter has some special insight uh, into his uh, upcoming death, which, you know, may be influencing him. Can you provide any additional uh, reference or insight on that? Well, and that's a that's a really good point, Jeff. Jesus gave Peter a burden that few of us have been given. And uh, Brian, if you'd like to read John 21, 18 and 19 for us so we can see exactly what Peter's talking about here. So John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going or he was to glorify God. So Jesus has told Peter, Peter, you're going to be imprisoned and you're going to die a violent death. Someone is going to uh, imprison you, and they're going to carry you where you don't want to go. And, of course, we might say, well, I wonder what he means by that. But then John uh, says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And so I think about that sometimes about Peter. We, we all know that Peter was arrested in uh, Acts chapter 12, and he, was, he, he watched James. James was beheaded. And the next day, Herod was going to bring him out. 
and that would have perfectly fulfilled what Jesus said. So I'm pretty sure Peter was convinced. Matter of fact, when God sent that angel, he thought it was a vision. He, I think he was pretty convinced that this was it. Well, it wasn't. So now here we are, uh, sometime just before the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, and Peter now knows it's got to be getting close because he's, he's getting old. He's, he's getting very old. And so Peter has known from the moment that Jesus, uh, just before the ascension, that he, God had determined that he would, he would glorify God or he would, he would die a violent death. And so that's weighing on Peter's mind now. Peter knows it's coming, and he's not afraid. Paul, you remember Paul, when he knew the death sentence was coming, they were going to use the sword, so he knew he was going to be beheaded. And he said, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've delivered to him against that day. And then, of course, later on in the book, he again makes it clear when he says, I have fought the good fight, I have uh, finished the course, I've kept the faith. Well, Peter can say all of this, but there are still people left behind. And so these people that are going to live, and of course you and I are in the same boat, he says, I'm not going to be negligent. This is something that I need to remind you about. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like mom when you're getting ready, you're, you're a child, you're getting ready to leave the house and put your coat on or get your gloves on. Uh, things that you need, things that, that uh, you're going to have to have in order to be comfortable or even to be safe. And so moms and wives and husbands and fathers, we, we all do this. We all remind people of things that are important. So clearly, Peter thinks that these things are of such a vital nature that, as he says in verse 15, you can always bring these things to, to mind. You always have a reminder of these things. So from, from this statement, uh, I really believe that this is one of those passages that needs to be kept in the forefront of our minds. In other words, this is something we should be thinking about a lot, maybe weekly, maybe even daily. There's some things in this passage that are just that important. And so that's why uh, I like to talk about this verse. And I like to ask people the question, you know, Peter, Peter said, I'm writing these things so that you can remember these things after I'm dead. Well, Peter's been dead for, for almost 2,000 years now. Well, maybe not quite that long, but he's been dead a long time. And the question is, as Christians, are we listening to him? Are we following this? So, Alan, why do you think that Peter believed these things were so important? Well, if you look at the just the verses before it, in other words, when, when you see what Peter says, he says, for this reason. And, you know, whenever I, I, I go over this topic, I, I look at this and I think, well, should we start at the beginning like he did or should we work our way backwards? And, and sometimes I do it one way, sometimes I do it the other way. But in this case, I think we'll work our way backwards and then we'll come back to it and we'll work our way forwards. So he starts out with the statement, for this reason, which means I've just given you the reason why I think these things are so important. And so if we look at them in verses 8 through 11, so, uh, Jeff, why don't you read verses 8 through 11 for us, please? For if these things are yours and abound, you will be, or according to the American Standard Version, they make you to be, neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so... We, we look at this and we see that whatever it is that Peter is imparting to them, and of course we haven't gotten to that yet. I know many of you are curious, but we'll get to that in just a moment. But if you do have these things that Peter wants you to remember, then they will make you to be neither barren nor unfruitful. So the first thing, these qualities are going that, that Peter wants us to remember, uh, he says that they will make you busy productive, fruitful, uh, and you won't be barren, and you won't be unfruitful. And of course, this is very critical. Jesus said that uh, if we don't have any fruits, you remember in the sermon, or the parable of the, uh, or sorry, I'm the, the, the vine and the branches. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and in this my Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. Well, uh, and then he says, if you don't bear any fruit, you're going to be cut forth as a branch. So Peter here, he took note of that. And he said, you want to know how you can be fruitful? Well, these things will make certain that you are fruitful. And then he says in verse 9, if you don't have these things that, I, that I've told you about, that I want you to remember, then you are short-sighted even to blindness. And so the Christian who is not working with these things, who does not know these things, who is not developing these things that we're going to be talking about for the next uh, uh, several evenings. Uh, and so Peter wants us to understand that if you don't know these things, if you lack them, then you are blind. You are blind to the spiritual realities that could change the way that you live your life. And so... Peter is very adamant here. I want you to remember these things, because if these things are yours, you're going to be busy. You're going to be fruitful. You are going, as Jesus said in the parable of the talents, uh, uh, he gave to one ten, to another five, and to another one, and they traded and they made gain. And he said, well done, good and faithful servants, to those who had produced something, who were not barren. But to the man who hid it and didn't do anything, he said, you wicked and slothful servant. So both of the things that Jesus warns his people against, don't be barren, don't be unfruitful, make sure you're busy, make sure you're productive, make sure you're putting forth fruit. Peter says, if these things I've just told you about belong to you, then you won't be barren and you won't be unfruitful and you will be able to see clearly what your responsibilities are and you won't forget about being cleansed from your old sins. Then starting in verse 10, he says, because of this, and again we have the word therefore, which means now I'm drawing a conclusion, and that is be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Now, the gospel spends a lot of time talking about our call. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that God called us through the gospel. And Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. And so, if you want to make your call and your election or your being chosen, sure, then you need to 
to do these things. So as a matter of fact, I think many of us are aware that the church is made up. The Greek word for the church is those who are called out, the ekklesia. Ek is, of course, the Greek word for out, and klesia is the Greek word for calling. So the church is those who have been called out, and Peter developed this back in chapter uh, in the second chapter of the first Peter letter when he said that uh, God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so if we want to make that call mean something, you know, you, you can be uh, putting your, uh, trying to get a job, and the, uh, the boss says, well, let's give you a try. Let's, let's see what you can do. And so you go, and, and if you want to make sure that you get that job, then you're going to do everything your boss tells you to do. Well, Peter says, this is what the Lord's ex- expectations are. If you want to make your calling sure, you want to make it established, and then, then that's what you need to do. And then he goes on to say, if you do these things, you'll never stumble. So now we have a promise from God that if we do these things that we're going to be talking about in just a few moments, that Peter has written about, then we will never stumble. We will always have a clear view. We won't be blind. You know, if you can't see what's coming up next, you can stumble spiritually. But with these things that Peter has asked us to to gain, we will never stumble. And then in verse 11, an entrance will be supplied abundantly. So now we have uh, the realization that Whatever we need to have in order to stand before God on the judgment day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, well, all of those things are going to happen. So Peter's just, I mean, he is very explicit. And again, the Holy Spirit is also explaining this to us, that these things that Peter is writing to you about, they are so important that they will make you fruitful. They will give you the ability to see clearly. They will make your calling and election stable and established so that you will never stumble. And they will give you the ability to enter into the eternal kingdom. So that's why Peter says, I want you to remember these things. I want you to use these things. I want you to be always working with these things. Yeah, I think there's a there's an interesting contrast there. While you were talking, I was thinking of um, a relatively popular doctrine with a lot of religious groups, uh, that of faith only. Um, and of course, w- within that context, it's somewhat of a uh, simple faith, you know, like acknowledging Jesus as your personal savior, perhaps, you know, saying the sinner's prayer. But uh, I think in some of the verses you've been pointing out here, it's much, much deeper than that. And it's not a, you know, one time act, your ticket is punched. You need to be. Uh, diligent, uh, I think was one of the words you mentioned, and we need to, you know, be careful of uh, incorporating these things into our lives so that we don't stumble. Yeah. Now it's it's interesting that we've been kind of, you know, working this backwards, which is kind of interesting uh, approach. You know, we've talked about it's all the verses so far. These things very important, very critical. Peter's nearing the end of his life, so he wants to emphasize it. You know, the Spirit, through Peter, of course, wants to emphasize these things, drive them home, etc. These things. But we haven't really talked about what these things are. <laughs> so yeah. maybe this is this is a good point to uh, sort of reveal to the audience, you know, what Peter really has in mind for 
these things that are so important uh, that we need to be uh, be diligent and constantly emphasizing. Right. And so, of course, that takes us now to verses five through eight. And so, Brian, if you'd like to read that for us, we can start talking about these things a little bit. Peter says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. All right, so what we see here, and of course we all start with faith. Without faith, it is impossible to be well-pleasing to God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, is how the Hebrews, the 11th chapter, opens. And so we need to have this faith. And so faith, of course, is the first step. I believe, I trust you, God, I, I want to obey the gospel. And so I obey the gospel, and now what do I have? Well, I have my faith in God. Well, what do I add to that? Well, Peter says I need to add virtue. And then when I have virtue, and, and, and let's talk a little bit about this. Some people see this like a ladder, and other people see it like a garden. And so, and, and I think both of them have merit to them, and maybe both of them are true. Because basically, if you have a ladder, you have to climb one step at a time. So we start, the first rung is faith. And then to your faith, the next rung in the ladder or the next step that we would take is to virtue. And of course, if we don't know what virtue is, then we can't add it. And that's why Peter's talking here and saying, you need to gain these things, you need to add these things, you need to develop these things. And so I'm going, and, and that's going to be the purpose of our lessons is what is virtue? And of course, if you don't have an answer, then you haven't either you haven't added it yet or you have, but you didn't know it. So this is important. So we need to add to our faith virtue. And then once we gain the virtue, then knowledge is something that we're going to add. And once we gain the knowledge, then we have to have the self-control. Well, self-control then is made up of virtue and knowledge. Once I have the virtue and I gain the knowledge, then I start working on the self-control. Uh, and then to self-control, I will add perseverance or endurance and patience. And then to patience and endurance, I will add godliness. And then to that godliness, I'm going to add brotherly kindness. And to that brotherly kindness, I'm going to add love. And so we look at it as a stepping stone. And, of course, as each one of us is reading these things and hearing these things, we may say, well, I know exactly what, what virtue is. Or, or maybe we're saying, I'm not clear on virtue. We, 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 of course, would say, I know what knowledge is, but what knowledge is he speaking of here? So the critical element of this section of Scripture is that these are the things Peter wanted to reveal to us. And everything before it and everything after it is pointing back to these seven things that Peter wants us to add to our faith. And should I say the Holy Spirit wants us to add to our faith. So as a Christian, I look at this and I say to myself, uh, if Peter thought this was this important 
And if the Holy Spirit validated Peter's concerns and then added to Peter's concerns by telling us, if you have these things, you're going to be busy, you're going to be fruitful, you're going to be productive, you're going to see clearly, you are never going to stumble, your calling and election is going to be made sure, and you are going to have everything you need to enter into the eternal kingdom. Well, that's enough for me. I'm motivated now. And I feel like I need to I need to spend time and I need to learn what virtue is and I need to get busy with it because that's where he starts. He says, add to your faith virtue. If you don't have virtue, your faith is not going to bring you where God wants you to go. And so you've got to be certain that you have whatever this virtue is, whatever it is that Peter's describing by this term, uh, I need to gain that. And then, of course, knowledge would be knowledge of the Scripture. As Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, Give diligence to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly handling the word of truth. And so knowledge is, is very important. And, of course, it's not my purpose right now to go through and explain what each of these things is. It's only to show us that we need to memorize these things we need to remember them always. We need to be working to add these things to our faith. And we need to realize that these seven things, according to Peter, would, I guess you'd have to say, if you could take the gospel and you could put it into a pot and boil it down, until you came out with the purest, most important aspects of it. And I realize that's an interesting way of looking at it, but that's essentially what Peter is saying here. If you, if you want to take the gospel and you want to summarize it in two verses or three verses here, then the essential nature of the gospel is once you have faith, you need to add virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love because as peter says if you have these seven things you're going to be busy you're going to be clearly seeing and all of these wonderful blessings and that's why peter says i'm never going to stop reminding you of how important these things are so i think alan you know you would probably agree that these spiritual qualities are really blessings because as you pointed out you know it makes sure that we are fruitful it helps to make our calling and election sure it helps to ensure that we will never stumble. So other than the blessings, which are, you know, certainly important here, uh, and, you know, and the importance that Peter gave them by emphasizing them and by speaking about them and so forth, uh, is there anything else in your mind that makes these spiritual qualities so important? Well, of course, we've we've saved the most important thing for last. And again, I don't know if you, you've noticed it yet or not, but each of these sections starts almost the same way. They all start with therefore or for if or uh, something along that line. He said when he, when he started, he said uh, that uh, for this reason, and then he goes in. And so as we start, and now we read verses... Uh, <clears throat> two through, uh, actually, yeah, three through five. Uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, Jeff, if you'd like to read that. Sure. So we're gonna next section moving backwards. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> right. That's okay, because we're kind of building to the uh, most important. As his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence or adding to your part all diligence. And then he goes into the, uh, the passage we just got to talking about. And then he goes in to add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control. And I guess I should have made clear earlier that we're going to go through this in the proper direction in our next discussion. But for this discussion, I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity to see how important this was to Peter and why it was so important to Peter and what it was that he thought was so important. And then now, finally, why he thought it was so important. And so we begin and verse three is one of the most fascinating passages in the scriptures because it reminds us of something. I like to compare this verse to the book of Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, God used his divine power to create the heavens and the earth, and then after he created it, he created Adam and Eve, and he gave it to them. And so in the same way, God has, through his divine power, now given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now, the first time he gave us everything that pertained to our physical life and to the blessings of, of being alive in this physical world. But now God's divine power has granted to us as a gift. This was a gift that he gave to us. And of course, it centers on Jesus dying on the cross for us. And it centers on the gift of the Holy Spirit bringing the uh, knowledge of the truth to those apostles who wrote them down as Jesus promised in John chapters uh, 14 through 17. He says, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of everything I have spoken to you and he will tell you uh, of all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything I told you. So God's divine power has given us the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And as Paul said, it's all God breathed. And as Jesus said, it will never pass away. My words will never pass away. They are eternal. And so God's divine power has given us the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. So if we abide in Jesus' word, that's the promise that we have. So God's divine power, he, he did everything. Well, almost everything. What Peter says we're to add, that's the final, that's the final point. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. But uh, God's divine power has given us, sent us a Savior, resurrected that Savior, used that Savior to create the ability to forgive each one of us of our sins. And so God has granted this to us as a gift. And then in verse 4, he added to that the exceedingly great and precious promises. And of course, those promises uh, consist of some of the most wonderful things on earth. Uh, forgiveness, eternal life, 
no more tears or pain or sorrow. God's going to hear my prayers, and and we're going to be like him when we're raised from the dead. And just new heavens and new earth, just precious and exceedingly great promises. Well, why did God do that? Well, he did that to motivate us. First, he gave us the tools, everything we needed to build a life and to build a an eternal uh, inheritance with him in heaven. And so he created these things for that purpose. And then he said, if you'll do these things, I will give you all of these promises. And so he, he lists them out in various books of the Bible. And then finally, after that, he has given us the means and the motivation. And now it's up to us to take these precious and exceedingly great promises and take his divine power that is recorded in the scriptures and through those two things become partakers of the divine nature. So uh, I look at this verse, you remember Genesis chapter one, where God said, let's make man in our image and after our likeness. And so God created us in his image and after his likeness. And until sin entered the world, Adam and Eve were just like God. They thought like God. They acted like God. They lived by God, like God. It was impossible for them to lie. They were righteous. They always treated people fairly. They had agape love, which would lead them to always treat people with the best possible motives and the best possible uh, desires to help. And all of that was lost. And we became selfish, self-centered, and sometimes cruel sometimes uh, conniving. It's just, it's just so sad what happened to man after the fall. And of course, we see that culminating in the destruction and uh, in the, in the uh, flood. Well, now, through the gospel, if I work, I can come back to that divine nature. That's why he says you need to add to your faith the knowledge, the self-control, the perseverance, the godliness, the brotherly kindness, and the agape love, because if you have those things, you will be partakers of the divine nature. We can work and toil and labor to conquer our lusts, as, as Paul told us in Galatians chapter 5, that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh, and so we have to put to death the members, the the fleshly desires that we have, and then we have to add on the fruits of the Spirit. And some of the fruits of the Spirit are the same as some of the words Peter talks about here. And so God is giving us this wonderful, incredible opportunity. I've given you the tools. I've given you the promises. And now it's up to you to do that. You can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that's why he says in verse 5, for that very reason, adding on your part all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. And, And of course, he continues through agape love. And so what Peter is explaining to us is that God did his part. This is my part. God told us to, uh, Add these seven things to our faith. And Peter says, I always want you to remember this. And so as one of God's children, who resp- I, I really respect. I, Paul and Peter are, are two people that I have grown. I've just learned about their lives. I've tried to, to understand them as best I can. 
course, Peter from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and Paul we get from the book of Acts, along with some of the things he says in some of his letters. And I really respect those two men. And those two men have really been helpful. And I want to be like them. I want to, I want to follow. And so here Peter says, look, I've been a preacher now for, he is probably in the mid-60s, so from 33 AD when the church started till maybe uh, uh, 65, 66, 67. So for over 30 years, Peter's been preaching, and of course he spent three years with the Lord, and he says, I can sum it all up. I can sum everything up in seven characteristics. If you will gain these seven characteristics, if you will add to your faith the virtue, the knowledge, the self-control, the perseverance, the godliness, the brotherly kindness, and the love, if you will add those things to your faith, then you will be doing what God expected you to do with the gospel and the promises that he has given to you. And so I, I get real excited about this, and I try to remember them. Sometimes even when I'm praying, I will, I will go through these seven things in my mind and, and pray, pray to them about God, asking God to help me with this or that, depending on what's going on in that particular period in my life. And, and, and these things are like anchors. They, they, they're like a compass. They, they bring us back to what's important. You know, sometimes you, you get caught up Something happens, you get a new job, you get a new hobby, you get married, you have children, your focus shifts. But if we can bring ourselves back, am I still adding virtue to my faith? Am I still adding knowledge to my virtue? And is my knowledge and virtue helping me to gain self-control? And if I don't have self-control, what is it about my virtue and knowledge that is not helping me to gain that self-control and then, of course, with that self-control, I need to add perseverance or patience or endurance. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm going to be looking at my godliness, which is my love and my devotion for God. And then I'm going to look at my brotherly kindness, which is my love and devotion to my brethren. And then finally, I'm going to be looking at my agape love and asking myself, how do I treat everyone I come into contact with. Paul said, let us work that which is good toward all men and especially towards the household of faith. So when I, when I add all of these things to my faith, I'm completing the, 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 the process. I uh, often illustrate it with uh, either with electricity or running water. Uh, and if someone builds the generators and allows the electricity to come into our home, we will never get access to it unless we turn on the switch. Now, turning on the switch is a relatively uh, minor uh, step in the whole process. Somebody built the dam. Somebody built the wires to bring it to your home. Somebody put the wires in your home. Somebody put the ability to uh, put the light bulbs up into your home. But if you don't turn on the switch, you never get any light. And God here has done the same thing. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But if we don't do our part, if we don't do the things that we need to do, then the connection never gets made. And we never get 
the benefits that Peter's describing here. And that's why Peter says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you, add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your self-control, or excuse me, add self-control and perseverance. And, and of course, I keep going over and over this. I hope when I'm finished with this series of lessons, all of us will be able to memorize these things. You know, we memorize our address. We memorize the things that are important to us. And these seven things are relatively small amount of things to memorize. And I think that as Christians, we need to be able to do that. So, Alan, one of the comments you made previously is that these spiritual qualities that we're talking about adding can be viewed as a garden or a series of steps. Uh, can you explain you know, the distinction between the two? Well, I gave you the ladder and didn't, didn't finish. Once we have gone up the steps of the ladder, now we understand all seven of them and we have begun working and coordinating with them. And now they need to be viewed like these, like a garden. In other words, I have a plot for uh, the virtue and I'm watering that plot and I'm working with that plot. But on the other plot, I have knowledge. And so I'm working with my knowledge. Once I know what virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance, so hopefully in this series of lessons, we'll go up the steps of the ladder. We'll talk about virtue, what the Bible says about virtue, and, and how we can see if we have it or not. And then we'll talk about what the Bible says about knowledge, and then how they work together in tandem to create the self-control. And then, of course, as we gain the self-control and the knowledge and the virtue. And so, as I say, during this series of lessons, we'll be going up the steps of the ladder. And then, of course, over the next few months, you'll be doing that. You'll be going through these steps and working with them and seeing how they all work. And then, of course, once we've gone up that ladder and we know how it works, well, it's not time to leave it alone now. Once we're at the top rung, now it's time to go back and take those seven things and put them into various plots, just like you would your garden, and take care of them. And so if, if I've got a garden and I have corn and I have wheat and I have soy and I have uh, tomatoes, and so I'm working. And of course, each one you work with a little bit differently. And so now, as a Christian, I have a virtue and I'm working with that. And when that is lush and grown and beautiful, then I can say, now this, this is where I need it to be. And now I'm going to go, and I'm going to go work in my knowledge garden. And I'm going to get my knowledge garden as beautiful and lush and fruitful. Then I can move to my self-control, and I can work with the self-control. And over the years, we get all seven of them lush and beautiful. And then, of course, we keep going back to them to make sure they're still lush and beautiful. We keep going back to them to make sure that they are because when I go before God on the judgment day, if these things are yours, you will not be marked down as barren or fruitless. And if these things are yours, then you will be able to see clearly. And so Peter, as I say, as we take the steps, first God did his part, this is my part. When I do my part and God has done his part working together, then now in this fellowship, as Peter says, I'm not going to be barren. I'm not going to be idle. I'm going to make my call and election sure. I'm never going to stumble and my entrance into the eternal kingdom. So 
I need to have these seven things. First is the ladder, putting them together one step at a time, and then as garden plots where I keep going back to them and I keep fertilizing them and I keep adding more seeds and I keep gaining and developing. The more of these seven things I have, the more what Peter says is a blessing is going to be for me. And that's why he says, I never want you to forget and be working on these things. You know, I appreciate the two analogies because, you know, someone just casually reading this particular passage, I mean, you could read the passage in, you know, a few seconds and yeah, seven words read and done. Um, and one might think, well, yeah, that's, that's relatively easy, straightforward. Yeah. Kind of like perhaps progressive climbing a ladder, but you know, relatively fit people can climb ladders. I like the gardening analogy because I think what that also illustrates is it's not an easy thing. It's not a really simple, straightforward, no-brainer. I mean, even with physical gardening, I mean, you have to understand the soil and the seeds and the amount of relative light uh, the various plants will need. So you put them in the right spot in the garden and the relative amount of water they need to have and the right time of year and, you know, taking care of, you know, pests and insects and other you know animals that you know might eat the guard etc so it, it's a very on the surface appears real easy but as you dig into it which will take us you know several sessions to you know, fully explore it uh, there's a lot to it uh, the deeper we get into it there, there's a lot there yeah and that's an excellent point and, and that's the point i made earlier clearly if peter can say just these seven things are going to accomplish all this then he's dealing with everything in the scriptures because he's not going to say, well, these seven things are important and you don't have to worry about the rest of it. No, these seven things are important because everything else in the scriptures, that's what it's founded on. And so when you have virtue, then there's probably a thousand or two thousand scriptures in the Bible that you need to learn and you need to understand in order for you to fully grasp virtue. And then knowledge, of course, <laughs> knowledge is everything. From Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22 and everything in between. I need to be able as a Christian to have all the books memorized and know what's in each book and know which chapters are most applicable to me. And then I have to, with the virtue, which means I want to be the best I can be, and with the knowledge that teaches me how to be the best, now it's my job to gain the self-control. So it's not enough for me to want to be the best and know what to be the best and then never be able to do it. So now I've got to gain the self-control. Well, there's a lot of scriptures about self-control. Jesus said each one of us need to take up our cross. And, and he said, and, and the Hebrew writer says, you haven't resisted unto blood yet, striving against sin. And Paul said, I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means after. So you can see how self-control is something that is working. And then the perseverance, as James uses this word in chapter one, he says, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials because the proving of your faith produces perseverance. Well, that's the word Peter uses here. So perseverance, you've heard of the perseverance of Job. The whole book of Job needs to be learned under, under the concept of perseverance. And then, of course, godliness, which means my love, my devotion, my respect, my awe, my reverence, what Cain didn't have and what Abel did have, well, I need to learn that. I need to learn, as Jesus said, 
that if you want to be a genuine worshiper of God, then you have to worship in spirit and truth. Well, the godly person says, wow, that must be important. I'm going to learn that. I'm going to memorize that. I'm going to learn. I'm going to understand why God rejected Cain's sacrifice. I'm going to try to understand why God killed Nadab and Abihu for offering a strange fire because I want to be godly. I want to be someone that God sees as someone who understands him and who loves him and is devoted to him. And then, of course, the next one, brotherly kindness, takes in every scripture that has to do with uh, love your neighbor. You remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, of course, the, the concept here in the scriptures with brotherly kindness is the neighbor in the church. Now, agape love will deal with the other side of it. But everything God has to say about loving our brethren and doing what is good, and so, as you can see, and I, I, I get pretty excited about this because for 40 years I've been working on this. I think I preached this first sermon on First Peter or Second Peter 1 probably 40 years ago. And ever since then, I've been climbing my ladder and building my garden and, and trying to help other people climb the ladder and build their garden. Well, we really appreciate, Alan, you taking the time to kind of lay the foundation for this series of studies. Can you give our listeners an idea of what we will be talking about in the second part of this series? Well, in our next lesson, we're going to talk a little bit more about adding on your part, because I think that that's a very important element of realization, that God sees this as our side of the covenant. When you enter into a covenant, there's two sides. If I want a job, my my interest is the is the paycheck my employer's interest is the work and so i have to know what my part is in order for me to receive what the blessings that i want but then we're going to spend uh, the entire rest of the class on what virtue is uh, we want to spend time on virtue i think of all the terms in the list that one is the most complicated and the least able to be understood without scriptural guidance the rest of them are fairly intuitive, but the virtue, unless you know what the Greek word actually meant, uh, then this word becomes very, very difficult uh, because it's such a general word in most languages that most people, if you say, what does virtue mean, they'd really be struggling to give that answer. Excellent. All right, Jeff, any, any comments you want to add before we wrap? No, can't think of anything. Certainly looking forward to the study and uh, presenting it to our audience because it's going to be uh, uh, an interesting, um, in-depth <laughs> kind of study, which is probably more than what we normally do in our podcast. Uh, so since we'll have you know multiple uh, series on this, one after the other, uh, looking forward to it. All right, excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and we look forward to, Alan, the number two in the series. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at biblequestions.org.